because it really does. You know, you got to choose to start it somewhere. finally brought you here. Behold, Forge the Narrative. Hey everybody, welcome to Forge the Narrative. My name is Paul, your host for the Lawsaws podcast. I'm joined by Tanya Gates. Hey everybody. Adam Camilleri and Red Powell. He said your name first, Adam. You gotta say hey, and then I get to say hey. You don't get to you, like do your little hey, 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 hey thing. He can you do it. gotta say something first. You, you, broke, you broke first. You spoke first. That's not, that's <laughs> not how it works. Uh, it is. I just just created how it works, and you lost. No, but I'm not going to waste the <laughs> listeners' time. Like we got to get we got to get to the good stuff. We can't what are we doing right now? <laughs> this is everybody's. The good, this is the good everybody's stuff. Everybody's loving this. Yeah, that's this right. This is the They're quality. This is this is what you're here for. Uh, even everybody, how you doing? Thanks, Adam. Hi, everybody. <laughs> this is our countdown <laughs> to the LVO. That's how we build tension. Oh, the tension. By, in, in, internalizing it. it. Internalizing yeah. it within the program. Yeah. <laughs> The anticipation of all <laughs> reuniting again. It's been so long. It's been too long. Really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to Flavortown. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gotta go. <laughs> Look, and those burgers we got last year, too. We got we to gotta be grubbing down in the evening. I will try and tweet where we're going and what we're doing in case anyone else is in the area. And we'll just hang out a bit. Uh, we'll see how it Because I, I also know we're going to be exhausted in the evenings as well. Uh, going to be doing a lot of uh, production and video stuff. Well, Red just gets to play and then hang out and have a good time. It's going to be awesome. It'd be interesting to see who's more tired out of us. <laughs> of the players the, or the uh, producers? Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. This weekend, by the time you're hearing this, people will have a horse ascendant, that glorious model for Dude. the horse here, see Age of Darkness, up for pre-order. Dude, I just spent the... So I had my... Uh, my once weekly, once so once yearly, or sometimes twice yearly, thirty k retreat with my hobby mates, and we just play. I played six games of Heresy over the weekend, and that game is freaking incredible. Such a great, it's game. awesome. Right? Can, can yeah, we talk about it a little easy. bit? I mean, because it is. I mean, I think there's some perception out there that it is still just a reskin of Seventh, and everything's the same. And it's, no it's, way, no, okay. no way, no way. Yeah, I uh, mean, it's it's as much of a baseline of seventh um, as I'd argue like ninth is of eighth in certain regards. Yeah, it's sense. perfectly said. Like it, a lot, some like cool. The blast markers work the same, and uh, <laughs> you move the same, except you don't because you run and you just add your initiative to your run, and it's it, it's so there are so many quality of life improvements over seventh edition. In addition to having one of I think one of the best mechanics that takes a you-go-I-go game to the next level in the reactions mechanic. Oh, so my gosh. I love the reaction mechanic. Oh, it's, so, it's genius, man. It's so elegant. <laughs> it's simple. Um, no, for real. I'm telling you, Paul, you laugh. But, like, yeah. they, no, I, they, I've played. I like it. I mean, I'm just, the, I just want to know what, what, why, why you think it's uh, as amazing as it is. Uh, I think it's because, interesting to talk about. Okay, so stratagems, right? Like, and it goes back to a certain degree. Like the the we all understand the Space Marine is the basic template of the entire game, right? But based off of that, everyone has the same universal special rules, 
right? And so that's not like, a, oh man, 7th edition had blast templates and armor values and universal special rules. Sure, so did 6th edition, 5th edition, and we keep going. And universal special rules have been a thing for a while. It's just a different approach where whether you want to do data slates or universal special rules, but it's really helpful in certain regards because everybody's familiar with the exact same rule. Not every single data sheet has its own distinct unique version of it and, and, so, and, and there are some sometimes some variants of the same rule too like brutal sure. two or you know mm. versus something else you know another Correct. number there exactly so instead of having your own data sheet version you can just have a variation by that number which in the rule is presented as of course an x with that you know changing value and they explain very well that if that value changes this it means that versus this or whatever and it's really good and then you go into the reaction piece as, as adam was was going on i mean it is an eloquent aspect of what we know as stratagems from 40k yeah but everybody shares the same ones for the most part outside of a very few unique ones and you can i, I almost think it it helps um focus on how unique those ones are because they're so um, far and few between, right? This legion mm. has this special one. It mm. doesn't have 20 extra stratagems. It has this special reaction, and then everyone else falls in on the same reactions. Correct. And, and usually that special reaction is a once per game, at times game changing or, you know, really influential piece that you just like hold onto into your brain. You add it to canon. Like, so I played against uh, Alpha Legion on the weekend and I also played against word bearers. And I think they have, well, I'm not, I don't have an extensive knowledge of, of uh, heresy 2.0, but so far they've got two of the best ones that I've seen. So once per game, when I target a word bearers unit, they can choose to do, it's something, something martyrdom. And essentially what happens is they remove one of their models and I don't get to shoot the unit anymore. So, <laughs> Cause that guy just jumps in front and Leroy Jenkins absorbs every shot from my unit. It is very incredible. And, and so my <laughs> opponent waited until I disgorged my plasma veteran unit, declared I was going to use all my combi plasmas. I was going to you know, unload the full payload. And he's like, see this guy out front? He's dead and you don't shoot. And we looked it up and had a discussion and realized that I actually expended, we believe that I expended the combi weapons as well. So they were expended. And he held it. He held it all game. And I figured, because um, when I talked about us, it was like, man, that's it's really hard to work around that. And we decided that the term is you just have to pay the tax. I had to pay the word bearers tax. And that involved me wasting right. my combi plasmas. You're um, referring to the glorious martyrdom, the advanced reaction correct. may be used once per battle during the opposing player's shooting phase when any enemy unit declares a shooting attack, targeting your friendly unit under the reactive player's control with the legionary Sestardi's word bearer special rule. Yep. Mm. So it's, it's essential. It's, yeah. See, it's like having a, in 40K, you'd say a transhuman physiology, but it's once per game. And it's a little bit different for everybody. And I think it's really, really cool. It adds a lot of flavor. The Alpha Legion one is just straight up BS. I'm glad, I'm glad you actually fought that so you got to experience it because it's just that. It's that funny. Like, not only does the army already count as being two inches further away in all mm -hmm. cases because that's a Legion trait. And they, you know, I don't know if you're shooting at them and they had shroud bombs. Shroud bombs, yeah. Where they automatically count as an additional six inches away. So they already, like, count eight inches away further no matter what. And then you've got this reaction where, okay, well, I'm going to shoot at them. Oh, well, I'm going to use my reaction. And now I get to move away. And, or they, they, like, pick them up and move them, I think, 12, they, as long as they're within 12 inches. Is it eight inches? 
punches. No, they just re deep strike him. Yeah, yeah, as, as, yeah, they just pick him up and put him back down somewhere else. I think it has to be a minimum distance away from yeah. the original position. But you don't they don't have to have been able to move through that. They can be on the other side of impassable terrain. Right. You just pick him up, put him down in complete safety, and then and it like, says in there if if you can't like if this was your target and you can no longer shoot them, then that unit is done shooting. Too bad, so sad. Like it, <laughs> it's. It's what, like, once again, you just pay the Alpha Legion tax. Um, it sounds sounds like your buddy set you up. Uh, look, <laughs> look, that one is the most, considering where 40K is at right now, where it's almost, I feel like there is a gotcha like element to most stratagem suites that opponents can wield against each other. And there's a certain burden of knowledge upon both players to be to play the game at a certain caliber and a certain level of integrity to combat that. I suppose that is something that has made us a better player base and better players is being like, well, I don't want to got you this. So here's some things that I, I can do. Whereas, you know, this is one thing that one army can do once. So it's much more palatable. It's a little bit more uh, brutal because... Oh, I'm I mean, kidding, of course. I mean, all the legions have some cool thing that they can do. Yeah. We're just highlighting things that happen to be really bad for your Dark Angels. <laughs> so what, what happened... So what my one is, is I was playing Stormwing because I, I built a little Luther model and I got a couple of 20-man tactical squads together. And they've got one that makes them fearless. So if I pass a leadership test, I am fearless. If I fail it, I'm stubborn. Who cares? I'm stubborn anyway. And, I, and with this army configuration, I was going to end up being stubborn 10. So it doesn't matter if I fail it. But like I've got I've got like five or six tactical marines left, and then a couple of guys with artificer armor, and then he charges in. Uh, you know, theoretically, opponent charges in a big melee unit that's going to kill. You know, seven as you know, seven out of the the ten or whatever I've got left. But you know, up oh, cool, they're fearless. They're going to stick in combat. I maintain my hold on an objective. If it was, you know, this line, this is obviously a line squad. And then you didn't kill my unit. I flipped it and I'm just going to charge and clear you back. Like, so that's what, that's what dark angels get to do, which is also really cool and very thematic. Um, because fearless is really hard to come by in Heresy 2.0. There's only a handful of ways to get it. One of them being, you know, the Legion Centurion becoming a herald. But apart from that, it's it's not that easy to come by. And it's funny we we think of Space Marines as you know, they shall know no fear. They never fall back, never surrender. Um, morale is a really big deal in Heresy. Like you run each other down all the time. You you pin people. You yeah, it's huge. It's really cool. Like a battle might be really, you know, when you're especially dealing with that type of conflict and where you're dealing with the, I guess, the uncertainty of them being kind of shaken, fighting brother against brother kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's totally there. I mean, and it's, you know, there's, there is a lot of, like, uh, aspect. You're going from the game that you were just playing with 16 plus factions, counting all the different variations, to now you're playing technically, uh, what, four or five factions with variations. And it's, uh, I think it's really great. They've, it's, it's it's I think elegant is a great term for the mechanics and game design for 30k. Y'all jumped out really ahead of that with the reaction stuff. It is fun. It makes it to where you have to plan. You do have to kind of bait one of those like I understand you <clears throat> referred to as the tax, uh, but sometimes you've got to get to, you've got to commit. To hope someone plays their hand and you get to play yours. Mm. And you got to have layers well, to your, your stuff. It to me it adds a lot of thematic elements to the game as well because a battle isn't just okay, we'll let them move up uh, position and shoot us, and then we'll, you know, move up position and shoot them. Um, it's very, it's a lot, it's, a be, it's the best way I've experienced of taking a game that is you go, I go, and adding enough 
elements into the the inactive player's turn to make them have a lot to think about, have a lot to consider, want to stay engaged with the game. One of the cool things, so I, my, I, I was playing against an opponent who had a double Storm Cannon Leviathan Dreadnought, which is a crazy good unit. But uh, I had a unit that had... Um, a couple of a couple of little guns like a combi plasma plasma repeaters that could theoretically do a wound or two but he has a reaction where he gets to shoot back at me if i shoot him so i have 10 marines yeah and two of those marines could theoretically do one wound each to this <laughs> dreadnought but if the dreadnought uses its reaction and shoots me back i'm gonna lose like two-thirds of my squad so like you know you poke the bear you <laughs> kind of kind of a, a deal it felt thematic it felt like yeah in, in real life these guys wouldn't run into the jaws of hell to try and maybe kick this leviathan in the shin um <laughs> it's kind of not what's gonna what's you gonna and go your down. opponent get access to these things the only thing oh, we're talking sure. about that's unique is the 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 one time the the special legionnaire or whatever your legion is stuff that we're talking about that's that unique mm, that exactly right but circling back to uh this uh, horus ascendant model uh, do you think that do you think this is heralding the beginning of like a series of like oh man i mean it's we've you know so the 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 models and understandably so are, are slightly behind where the books are to a degree right and so do you, i think it's heralding a series I mean, well let's say slightly behind is that none of the primarchs are actually demon princes and uh, models right <laughs> true true that's that's a very big thing i mean we technically um you know we've got cop on da as major demons and whatnot like the the adversary aspect of this has definitely not kicked up into full gear and so i think we're just starting to see the tip of that and i think horus ascendant is a great model to really lead the way i mean i, I think that there were some precursors right like i just mentioned but uh, that samus takes us back. is a model too and... right samus is there and so samus you really see samus in the story and i, I by no means ruining anything but you know samus is right up front but you actually see him in greater detail later um kabanda oh. was in uh fear to tread which was cygnus prime the big blood angel fight and so, so that's yep they've got that and so now with horus ascendant i mean we've really moved into it and from there i can only imagine the direction we're going to go and the you know these other models have had these awesome display bases and everything and so with this we haven't really seen that um, I do think he has a base, but some of these character series have built into others. And so this isn't the exact uh, signature pose of Horus, you know, standing uh, at the top of some stairs over someone's certain dead body with another <laughs> model facing him. Don't do but it to me, Red. Oh, man, I can't help it. I told you. I told you before the show started this was coming. Just like <laughs> as if you almost like had a vision of the death of Sanguinius was coming. <laughs> like there's they've got to do it man they've got to remake that scene and it's going to be beautiful and this model is the great like start of it because there's got to be a base with a broken uh completely smashed dead angel on it and at the base of it is the emperor himself it's going to be amazing oh you Yikes, think the, you think the off. emperor is on the horizon too oh man i think the emperor has to be on the horizon if you've got horse ascendant and i'm sitting here looking at horse's ascended rules um and for everything that he can do and everything they give him i mean it's really funny because it, it has everything right horse by himself is 600 points which I do think that makes him arguably or right out the gate, the most expensive um, Primark. And then you look at it. And so just like older editions, not even just seventh edition, you're only allowed to have Lords of War or Primarchs up to certain point values. And I'm pretty sure Horus breaks that mold to a certain extent. 
And then the next part, if you want to make him Horus Ascended, you just add a, another extra 400 points for an even chill 1,000 points, and he becomes an absolute <laughs> for an infantry model. Right, yeah, for an infantry model. I mean, it just it goes to the next level. It's insane. And I love that they have a model that demonstrates that change because up till now, it's just been Horus's model, which is a great one too. I mean, all the Primark models are great, but this Horus Ascended model just takes it to the next level. Uh, the box it comes in is massive. It's probably twice as tall as every other character series model box. Wow. And a good portion of that is the base. He does come on a base. And if you can interpret anything from, you know, what the, the casualties on the base of the model, I mean, those look like salamanders. Man, going for the heart. Yeah. Um, does anyone else find this model extremely intimidating? Oh, yeah. Con- to conceptualize painting. I mean, we talk- I think we talked about it every now and then that a model like this comes together. But how do you guys go about this? I'm going to admit something to you. I actually bought Vulcan in the character series and I couldn't bring myself to paint it because it was so intimidating. So I ended up (laughs) selling it. (laughs) There are so many different techniques represented on this character. I'm just looking at the eyes, just the the blending on the eyes, um, the the, the, the stylized eyes of Horus on his chest, on his knee. Oh, I thought you um, meant his eyes on his face. I can promise you my horse's face will not look like this horse's face. And that's okay. <laughs> that's a very much okay thing. I'm at peace with it. <laughs> you know. I want to see his back. I want to see his cape. I want to see the back of the talon. Um, I want to see a side profile of Worldbreaker, the the mace in his left hand. The, I just I just want to stare at this model. Talk about this. I mean, even as a, a an absolutely appropriate substitute to Abaddon in 40k, right? It, it's I don't know if it's as yeah, big as, big. as Abaddon yeah. is, yeah. or is he not as big? I don't think he's as big as the plastic model for Abaddon. Oh wow! wow. Really? Mm. Now, I've, I've, not, I've not put them side by side yet, so don't quote me on that. I, but I don't think it's it's that tall. So it, it's that would be an interesting one because um, in the fluff they say that people uh, suspect that Abaddon is a clone of Horus is, isn't always always was, um, a clone of Horus. And I've always wanted to know, does that mean he's as big as a Primark? Cause it can't be, he can't be as tall as a freaking Primark. He wasn't in the Horus here for sure. Exactly. Someone would say, Oh yeah, cool. He's obviously a clone because he's the same size as a Primark, um, but he's not. So I'd love it. Does it mean like he's just chaos? He's got chaos swelledness going on. I, I think so. I mean, it was <laughs> it was noted that 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 Horus even increased in proportion with the yeah. uh, you know the, the ascendancy. Mm. I do love that this model doesn't have. Sorry. I have a love and hate relationship with the way the Black Legion is painted by Every Metal. You know how they they inversely line the black panels, like they they highlight the black inside the plates. And that's just one of the most frustrating things imaginable to try and replicate. <laughs> um, they've done a different effect on this, and I think I like this one a lot better. Almost like light sourced, almost like a. Um, well, it's got a, kind of that airbrush. little Sons of Horus green in there somewhere. Mm, so. it, exactly. That's it's about to say it's tinted with Sons of Horus. It's Black Legion looking, but it's still very evocative of the Suns. There's a lot going on in this model. And when you put it together, like at the talons, you guys kind of have to build the talons. So it is resin, uh, so you got to be prepared for it, just like the other character series the Primarchs and great base detail. It's broken down into three different like trays inside the, the case. It comes with some kind of quick reference rules about if this is your first resin model, how to prepare it and get it ready, which I think is cool because a lot of people skip some of those steps. And this is not a model I'd want to skip the steps on. Um, one of the steps I'm talking about is like warm soapy water cleaning off your resin mm-hmm. model. It goes through that process about how to do that. 
or what you should do. That's awesome. With, with what it gives you. Yeah. Very necessary. I think I think so. And the reason you do that is to remove some of the, well, one, if there happens to be any resin dust or also any you know, mold release or whatever that might have some impact on your primer and then your subsequent future coats of paint on that thing. And for, you know, what will be a centerpiece of your army, you want to give yourself the best possible shot you can and making it look as good as you can. Yeah, great. And it's also, if you're playing in a 2,500-point game, it is, what, uh, uh, 40% of your points? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's a beast. I mean, there's no getting around it. Uh, once these things... They're actually... The Primarchs on the table, though, are pretty killable. They are, but they're also crazy. And that was something that, you know, we're when we talk about these game modes and everything... How many, you know, we don't really see Death Stars as much as we used to, to certain regards, but this game definitely lends itself to some really amped up Death Stars. Like, you know, they can, any of the major characters and not just the named characters, but of the, the leaders can bring like retinues. And when you bring those retinues, they're not just independent characters. They get built into those units. And so you can bring Horus and then you can attach him to a unit of Justaran Terminators. And so it's him surrounded by 10 terminators and they can all come out of a spartan land raider and it just goes on from there it gets crazier and crazier and uh, i mean he can also he can make them all corrupted and they can be part of his retinue yeah exactly uh and then he also has the dark fate you know so when you kill him the first time he goes back into reserve with one wound yeah, crazy it is intense wild <laughs> What I say about the Primarchs are killable is, but remember everything, the the way the toughness and strength works is the old way. So you've heard me lament before that I brought a bunch of lightning claws to a Spartan battle and that did not, you know, <laughs> I had to get creative with how that got handled. Um, Horus Ascendant is toughness eight. So, you know, you're... Nor mortal Marines could punch him all day long and do nothing. It's awesome. I yeah. think it's awesome. It is awesome. I, I, I like it. I actually prefer it. Yeah. Just, just pointing out that as a factor, but how do y'all feel about that? I know we, again, I've complained in more of a comical sense because it was funny. And just one of the things just didn't dawn on it. I hadn't, but the, for the first time I went back and played this, this game, um, you know, you just, I just wasn't thinking that way during my army list construction. I love it. I love that. I love the aspect that things are actually so tough that you may not be appropriately equipped to deal with them. Yeah, totally and entirely agree. I'm down. Is is, is Sigma the same as 40K? That everything can kind of hurt everything? Yep. Uh, Even worse or even more readily. (laughs) I should say even readily, more readily. It's like (laughs) if a a unit, your Noblars or whatever, and I'm pulling this unit completely out of thin air. You know, if they they wound on fours, that's on their their scroll. They don't wound on fours. Well, right. But I mean... <laughs> if something has X amount of attacks and it wounds on fours, you know, then that's has nothing to do with your opponent's data slate. Yeah. But I mean, Age of Sigmar does have those reactionary um commands that they can give that can help you mitigate some of that damage too. So a lot of times the noblars end up doing maybe a wound and then you celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> High fives all around. But yeah. there are some aggressive units that can shoot like a lot of shots and wound decently well, and you just got to figure out a way to deal with them. So well, Horus would not be looking so tough in Sigmar. No, <laughs> no. Um, but a lot of like the big scary um, things in Sigmar have like they can only take so many wounds per turn. Uh, like Marathi, for instance, can only take so much damage, and then the rest is lost. So a lot of those big centerpiece models do have ways to stay alive. 
so Horus has the Horus Ascendant stuff has extra abilities. It's in the Libra Hereticus book. You can buy the normal Horus, you know, depending on what phase of the heresy that you are playing in, which is also kind of cool that you can construct these these battles and situations, and you know exactly where you are in the story. Uh, whereas, you know, like in uh, and you can talk about that either if you want to before the game starts and set up right. some. I mean, you're still playing the same game, but I know it kind of it just kind of feels a little bit more weighty. Um, what are the missions like in 30k? Oh, Wild. They're legit. They're legit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they uh, they vary uh, in legitness. Uh, um, that's just your lack of vision. <laughs> yeah, that's like yeah. your opinion, so, man. That that game, the game, the sorry, there was I think I can't remember, I think it was just domination where you have um five objective in no man's land and essentially you get a point for for every turn you control them. It's progressive. Um, only, so one thing to talk about in um Horus Heresy is that only line troops doesn't matter if you are the troops battlefield role only the line troop keyword gives you obsec lets you control and score points on an objective so a regular game of heresy if you scored five points that game that's probably okay that's pretty respectable seven eight nine points is usually a winning score in a game unlike you know 40k where you can get a freaking 100 points so and I, I don't quite know where sigma is at with the, the score the score tallies but uh, yeah. Twenty or thirty is a good score. It's a... <laughs> yeah, so so hard that again. That's that's usually where um, where um, Horus Heresy is at. Uh, with that one, I, I played against the Alpha Legion ga- game versus that one, and so he started on three of the five objectives, and so only line can score, but anything can deny. So he and we figured this out afterwards. He started on three of the five objectives and then just scored three points. And then he could have thrown units onto my uh, two objectives, the two objectives I was going to walk out and control, and literally denied me scoring two points. And it would have been three to zero. And then he just runs away with the rest of the game, and I pretty much can't win. So ended up he he scored three points in his turn one. I scored two points on my turn one. We like you know played shenanigans. Benny healed around in the middle, and he won by one point. He I never caught up. He was up by one point and just stayed up by one point by playing a logical game thereafter. That kind of stuff, like all you would need to do to make that mission like picture perfect in my mind is just you can't score at turn one. That's it. Like turn one, top 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 of turn one, can't, can't score the, the the objective. It's progressive from turn from turn two one, start of turn two. But just little things like that, I think that's what's missing. Some of that polish we've gotten from playing like matched play, having rolling matched play, um, you know, competitive rule sets in 40k has really made I think made every mission a little bit more well weighted in even in the strike force ones, even in the incursion ones, I feel like they're all much more weighted than some of the, the older ones. Cause a lot of the old Horus Heresy ones were pretty similar as well. Um, but for the most part, they're still pretty good. And I love that they're, they're all a little bit thematic. Like there's a, there's a, yeah, we played a couple of custom ones cause my, my mate does his own ones for a tournament he plays and we were kind of play testing those, but most of his are just based off the regular rule book ones with an extra like spice special rule or play a little bit different. Like, um, yeah, we were all playing with a little saboteur attached to our army and every, every mission to saboteur would do something different. Um, and it was always really, it was just really cool. Sounds fun. Something you can get away with in, uh, in that environment. Yeah, for sure. Uh, with, uh, the heresy, you know, we talk about these big toughnesses and how it you know you got you got to be prepared for it you actually typically see larger stuff like a titan or whatever in the battles a knight a lot one of the larger knights or some giant vehicle fortress vehicle are, are way more commonplace in heresy list so once you understand that you typically build a, a, a list that has something in that geared to be able to deal with that kind of stuff for sure 
for sure. Yeah. Funnily enough, um, I don't know how red how you feel about it, but uh, <laughs> not suck. <laughs> yeah, they heresy. struggle. I mean, they do struggle, yeah. and, and there's actually there's some really interesting like infantry based builds that can just actually like walk away from knights mm. uh, gameplay wise, just because of some of the struggle. Yeah, it seems like um, knights have a lot of the decent mission playing ability, but their lethality is really reduced. Um, and, and in in well, in sixth as a seventh edition, and in the Horus Heresy, knights have ever, always been the ever more. I didn't take things to take to to account for knights, therefore I auto lose, or I did. And and I auto win, and it's never been much of an interplay. I think I think Knight Edition has knights as the best I've seen knights done, both Renegade and Loyalist done so far. For, Very for, functional, for like where they are. Yeah. Like when you walk up to a game, you aren't just instantly like, oh, I guess I got to pack it up, or they're never yeah. going to score a point. You know, it's it really it really felt like that when they came out in sixth and seventh, especially seventh edition with what was it the the court uh, we had the five knights together that that bonded into a unit that just became <laughs> freaking. Uh, inconquerable unless you bought exactly the right stuff. Um, in eighth and in eighth edition was a little bit. They almost had them right in eighth edition, and in ninth edition, I say I say almost because they're Stalin. Um, but ninth edition has been really good for knights, and they play they play a really good game, and they play with a lot of fun, and they don't feel too oppressive. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, in Horus Heresy, I think it's pretty obvious they made the decision that we're like we this is this is the Space Marine games. Knights are allowed to play, but you're not gonna we're not gonna let you dominate. <laughs> and I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Uh, like, I think it's thematic. Yeah, like, it is. And get on the table. There's a lot to it. I mean, it, it's it's what you're right. Thematic. There's every army has that to a certain degree, which I think is very appreciated. I was thinking about uh, after last week. I was like, well, maybe I should break out my custodies for uh, for Horus Heresy. But are they oppressive in Horus Heresy, or are they are they all right for people to play against? I, mean, I I think they're all right to play against. I think that they clearly they they have some advantages being how tough they are and everything. I mean, they're like you know just an army of terminators, but at the same time, like there's plenty that can be done to deal with that and and how you go through fighting that. I mean, again, we go back to the AP is a different mechanism, right? It's if you've and there's a lot of people who plan through and who have AP two weapons to to deal with just that and so so i'm i'm playing in the the horse heresy narrative event at lvo and they did a good job with balancing certain aspects of it where so there's a, a form 30k as we've discussed before it has rights of war and there's a right of war called a, an armored spearhead where the entire list is essentially just tanks and that is that has some one-sidedness to it just like mm. knights do to a certain degree where in this horse heresy narrative they've been like hey if you've got knights or an armored spearhead or one of these other ones you're going to go over here and you're going to play the same game, but because you're bringing this, especially in the narrative aspect, you can like, you, you can, cause it would make more sense. Armored spearhead versus armored spearhead in a intelligent adversarial kind of way, mm. because in a, what I would argue is a really cool fashion, an armored spearhead against some of these more infantry based lists, and even like cust, you know, custodies and whatnot, the armored spearhead does really well, just like as it should, because when you're using combined arms, the purpose of that armored spearhead should be to bust through whatever defensive line is and get to the soft things in the back and be able to, to go through and, and take advantage of it in that, that regard of maneuver. And so 30k does that well and demonstrates it. And like Adam said, you know, if you don't come to the table with the right weapons or whatnot, I mean, you're going to get caught out to a certain degree. I think custodies are absolutely fine. I think they've done yeah, them really well, really well in this edition. Um, and I think you shouldn't you shouldn't have any issues taking them on the table, Tanya. If anything, I think they're actually on the weaker side. 
um, than the stronger side. Um, because I think some of their mission play suffers. So, so just because of number of models. It, yeah. Exactly. Because yeah, yeah. because there's only X amount of line, X amount of things that can score you points. When you only have, you know, ten models in your army can actually score you points and the rest of them can just deny. Armies that are equipped to get rid of those quickly can really stifle your scoring ability very early. Um, and so I think that's something the custodians suffer from. Like they cust- they suffer from I've only got got the guys that can score are on foot or they're in expensive transport, and uh, I've only got 10 of them. And those 10 guys need to sc- need to get me a winning score, while the rest of them enables them and denies my opponent. Uh, and, you know, sometimes that's just not enough dudes, and they just get popped. So I think that's totally fair enough. I mean, I took I was taking 40 line in my 2x20 two by, two by tactical marines, and in what, some missions, they weren't enough, because I realized in the, that mission I talked about with the five objectives, he killed. He just he annihilated one of my unit at twenty, and then the other unit can only score one point a turn thereafter, because they can only they can deny multiple objectives, but I can only score me one. Um, so yeah, then he was just like, well, I guess if I just Benny Hill run away, maintain like a cordon between us, because we kind of just scooted around and ended up almost playing a dawn of war, um, you know, yin and yanging around each other. He just maintained a distance, maintained his lead, because he as long as he scored one and I scored one, he was going to stay up by one, and, and that's what ended up happening. Very Alpha Legion of him, I gotta say. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back, talk a little bit more about uh, Horses Ended, and uh, continue on the Sour Seriously Talk. FTN is brought to you by Discount Games Inc. Please visit them at www.discountgamesinc.com. And don't forget to ask Jay about ways to save even more on your hobby projects. Hey, everybody, we are back. Very special episode talking about. Horus Heresy, talking about Horus, the namesake of the heresy. Uh, you know, didn't get much uh, more heretical or Horusy than this. <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> I want to work in some more H words. <laughs> so uh, I have been enjoying reading uh, the Horus Heresy, but I do want to complain. Horus went from like awesome i love this guy to immediately fell to chaos like so quick i was like i didn't have any time to come to terms with this oh yeah <laughs> that, no, i actually had a really me. good conversation about that recently where someone <laughs> that exact point because it really does you know you got to choose to start it somewhere yeah and they could have started it back at uh like right at ulanor you know like after the essentially the end of the the Great Crusade, mm-hmm. um, where he's nominated as War Master, but instead they started post that, and they started pretty close to his fall, right? And you don't get that same kind of development from him and how that fall really like played about as you do for some of the other characters. Do you and, mean starting the story, or do you mean yes. starting the Horus Heresy? Oh, sorry, or the, the Fall to Chaos? No, the books do. Okay. Uh, I mean, at least from what I'm talking about. But I understand. At least I think that's what you're saying, Tanya, and that's that's what I I, I kind of acknowledged as well yeah it's like so you you start off in the first couple of books he's just so likable like you just you love him right and then there was no real there wasn't a season change in the middle it was just like this is a really bright summery day and then all of a sudden you're like we're in the dead of winter right now like there was just it was just like everything is great and then all of a sudden we don't like him anymore there wasn't like this slow descent which i was kind of expecting um and yeah it was just really jarring that's like my my complaint 
have you got a chance to read Vengeful Spirit yet? Um, which one is? I think I have. Which one is that? The cover. Uh, that's that's really talking about Horus Ascendance. That's I would argue probably one of the better developmental books of Horus and his quote unquote ascendancy. Um, Where he's getting like I, super evil and he's having all the side discussions via astral projection and that kind of stuff. Is that yes? Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it's. They call it the vengeful spirit and kind of leads into he he follows in the footsteps of the emperor to a certain extent. And he finds this little journey. And uh, it's it's very it's it's this really awesome throwback to actually some old war from Warhammer's fantasy with Archaon. And uh, they did a really great job with it. Uh, it was beautiful. Uh, but it it's several books in. Right. Or I mean, we're talking like if it's a 54 book series, <laughs> just the Horus Heresy, not counting Siege of Terra. Um, and that's not counting all the short stories either. Um, this is like somewhere in the early middle. So it's, it's out there. It must be one that I, I, I know I own it, but it's in, I bought like a lot of books off somebody because they were like brand new, but they were all over the place. So I think that's in my lot of books, but I'm stuck again because like the next set of books that I have, I can only find used for like over a hundred dollars. Oh, <laughs> um, well, just yeah. What? Uh, let us know what, because I may even have like somewhere in the collection or whatever. I could say it's not. <laughs> you know, I'd rather you I'd rather you read. <laughs> I'll have to go through all my books and like, cause I have a bunch that are like later on. Um, so I'll have to like go through and actually make a list of the ones that I still need. But um, yeah, th- th- there's, there's the next one I think is betrayer. I cannot find that one anywhere. That book is so good. Man, that's a totally good worth a hundred dollars. hundred percent. I will keep that in mind. I mean, look, <laughs> after after reading it, if someone had said you now owe me, you know, whatever ninety five extra dollars, I'd be like, you know what? Here, just take it. <laughs> I will keep that in mind. Oh, <laughs> uh, it is so good. Uh, so to going to Horace ascended here, Stan. We haven't even gotten over all his rules and stuff. I know we're kind of jumping around, but he does have. You're talking about falling into chaos, the power of chaos eternal. Once per battle at the start of any assault phase, whether Horus Ascendant controlling player is the active player or reactive player, Horus Ascendant's controlling player may choose to activate the power of Chaos Eternal. Once activated, Horus Ascendant increases his strength and toughness characteristics to 10 for the duration of the assault phase <laughs> and ignores the effects of the unwieldy special rule on attacks made with Worldbreaker. Uh, nice. once, yeah, once the assault phase is ended... All combats being fought uh, have been resolved, and the effects of the power of chaos eternal has ended. Horse ascended automatically suffers perils of the warp. But that's cool. That is really cool. Oh, it, it gets a little cooler. Um, but any wounds caused must be allocated to friendly models in the same unit as Horus ascended. <laughs> if any such <laughs> models exist before they are allocated to Horus. <laughs> He's a jerk about the whole process, too. He literally Mm -hmm. just grabs his son and, like, uses him as a shield. (laughs) Nice. Uh, That guy's such a jerk. (laughs) uh, But going to power, you know, strength and toughness 10 and then being able to swing Worldbreaker um, outside of initiative. Yeah, that's huge. Which is also strength 10 AP2. Mastercrafted, brutal 2. Sunder and then unwieldy, so he can Man, basically I, kill anything. I only Everything. played. I only played a few games of seventh, but like hearing like initiative and and things are back, I'm like, oh, 
It's crazy. No, it's. I think it's back. awesome. I mean, and not just that. There's like duelist sabers, which is like when you go into a fight, it counts as one extra initiative. And so, mm-hmm. like, it's all about like this jockeying for position in combat and how you can actually get there. And you're like, well, I've got AP two weapons. It's like, yeah, but you're unwieldy, so you fight last. So uh, see if you make it. Um, yeah, fun going pretty cool. easier for children. It's great. Uh, there is there is a whole lot of positioning, and sometimes you really can. Because you want to, you know, we talk about bringing mixed units and that kind of stuff, but you can find yourself where your unit is just outmatched. And if your opponent can engineer that and get you, you know, it, while it kind of stings a little bit that you got got, it still also seems kind of elegant. Well, it's just acknowledgement. I mean, it goes into these these tanks with armor values of 14, right? So, like, we go back to armor values and you're like, oh, well, I've got to actually either I've got to meet that number just to get a glancing hit or I've got to overcome it to get a penetrating hit. It's like, whew. 14 that means you know even las cannons at at strength nine like on a five is just a glancing hit a six is a penetrating hit that's that's intense there's a lot to that it's a bad deal my my mates were rocking quite a few kratos tanks the new ones like the the super here here is your here is your one sakar and you're another sakar and let's push them together as your kratos it's 14 all round (laughs) <laughs> and they just like just pushed it into my face, and I'm like, oh, I guess that gets to survival game. <laughs> let's let's go about not letting it table me. Um, uh, can Horus yeah, deal with these? Uh, Horus would punk this thing in its <laughs> oh, Horus would, would without needing the Chaos Eternal. Yeah. No, just yeah. stand like a regular Primarch usually drop kicks one of these things into orbit by itself. <laughs> like, well, they, Horus by yeah. himself is. Uh, strength seven horse ascended is is strength eight and yep. then with world breaker you have the sunder rule which allows you to roll two dice uh, i thought it was re-rolls re-roll maybe that's what it is same same deal yeah yeah what i'm saying get yeah, better at punching through armor yeah. so more they, opportunity they usually yeah every, every primark usually will have something that will let them like crack a transport crack a, a tank pretty well so so horace wielding world breaker is strength 10 yeah 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 world breaker gives is strength 10 itself yeah so he's he's a force to take a hull point off re-rollable against that and it's i think i think it's got five five hull points on the the kratos so horace has got good chance of mostly killing it in one go and then of course you can roll a six on the explodes table because he's ap2 and one shot it as well so here's the thing yeah the thing with well we're kind it's this is kind of a two ways to get to the same result you can have one single las cannon shot kill a spartan you know kill 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 it's a very large unlikely it's right. very unlikely, but it is is doable. Just like a lasgun is very unlikely to do a wound to a tank, but it is doable. And so you kind of come to the same conclusion two different ways, but I like the Horus Heresy way better because there's so much more potential for clutch moments. And I love that clutch moment feel in my tabletop wargaming. Like we had, a, <laughs> we had like like heroics. Like what? He's got one guy left in the unit. One guy in the unit. Yeah, he's got a combi melter, and you're, there's a rhino full of guys that are about to like unmolested get into your lines and just wreck your day. Unless this one guy hits wounds, uh, sorry, hits penetrates and explodes that vehicle for you and you got this one chance and there's one series of dice to make it happen and you know every now and then one little guy in your army just decides he is going to be the emperor's champion that day and it's <laughs> amazing it is so good and then he gets a name absolutely gets a name and you remember those moments forever. Yeah, yeah you remember those moments forever those <laughs> those those the model and and that that time that game is now etched into your into the inside of your 40k brain and uh it's a beautiful thing I'm loving it. 
this is, you mentioned the back and forth nature of the game where it's not, again, it's not you go, I go, but you are still having things that you can do when to deploy them. And it is trans, tr- what those things do is transparent to your opponent because they can do the same things mm. outside of a couple so, different, you know, unique things we talked about. I realize so, uh, there is a way for me being the inactive player to shoot a unit twice in my opponent's turn. The same unit can shoot twice in my opponent's turn by two different reactions. One being, of course, you overwatch and you only overwatch with one unit in the whole, in the whole shebang um, per turn. And, but that unit overwatches at full ballistic skill. They overwatch as normal. Like they just shoot. Um, and then of course, if you shoot a unit, they can elect to shoot back. You have to be like per, within a certain range back. or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All these, got, all these have, all these have T's and C's attached to them. But, but still if you're, but possible. Exactly. If you're not, you know, unwary of it, if you're not using and, and wielding the walls appropriately, you can find yourself losing more units than you're gaining in your turn, which just elevates the tactical play necessary uh, to to 11. It, it feels really good. As more and more stuff gets released, if you're if you're not already into it or you, you want something to maybe try out your first born Marines, uh, why not give it a go? The All the legions function very much like within the spirit and theme that you would expect from them. And I got to say the rights of war are possibly the best version of this, the formations. formation. Yeah. yeah the best formations. version of the formation. The I, th- kind of I think we've ever had, you want to explain these red, like how there's, there's always a pro and a con and it's always really thematic and somehow well executed. Yeah. Oh man. So you almost, and, and we go back to some throwbacks and, you know, even with arcs of omen and how it's coming out to a certain extent, we've seen, you know, the compulsory choices, there's um you have to have an hq you gotta have two troops but then you get these rights of war and you overlay this formation over it and so every legion has two unique rights of war otherwise there's actually a list of rights of war that everybody can pick from so for example and, and they all unlock different aspects if you take it and so there's a rights of war um for drop pod assault where you put you have to put everybody in drop pods and then it actually allows you to start completely off the table and then you start dropping in pods and everything there's a subterranean assault where you do the same thing but with drills like that's just awesome right i already mentioned the armored spearhead which was the um you know it's all tanks you get to actually make a tank into your hq like you know that's that's your leader and so there's this whole aspect to that that you can build into it and then each legion has their own version which really allows i i think the distinct flavor you know it seems um some people might say you know vanilla in the aspect that everybody has space marines for the most part but then you start adding these rights of war on and it just keeps taking it to the next level with the the legions and their story and the flavor that goes along with each legion they did a really good job with it i'm an example one of my favorites for my iron warriors is called the iron fire which actually allows me to uh use artillery better essentially um, it, it, I just, it really plays into, it lets you build towards kind of what you think. You, know, you talk about the Primarchs playing how you would think they would and the Legions playing how you would think they would. The Rights of War are the formation building mechanic that they have added in to help do that even more so. Do you find the Rights of War, uh, the, with the way in this new and newer edition, like how does it compare to the way it was at the original? Because I think they seem to be a little less restrictive on how to build lists. They are. They they absolutely are. They're they're definitely more restrict or less restrictive. Um, there's an aspect to it with the um, 
they're also there's more available i feel they built kind of this like starting menu of rights of war that you can pick from and so you can play a more conventional army versus a more specialized army versus a different aspect and then new ones the more legion specific i don't feel are as constraining in certain regards they still they have constraints uh for example i can't have uh, in my iron fire rates of war i can't have more fast attack options than i do heavy support and that i mean you get it i'm gonna have more artillery options anyway so i'm good but uh that that's if you're already building in that direction it it's not a bad thing i think that okay it prevents me from having more fast attack because i'm supposed to be building towards artillery like and if i don't want that then i just move to a different option without any real penalty you find some similar with the dark angels over there yeah very similar dark angels have extra extra rights of war um they essentially have one rights of war for each each um wing of the hexamaka wacker super megatron um and (laughs) are you referring to the structure of the dark angels legion correct i mean i don't know how you pronounce it but that's certainly what i've i've gone with hey, close enough uh, obviously yeah I've got, no, I've, I've got no leg to stand on in regards to pronouncing things i'm sorry you got close <laughs> enough to for me to understand what it was it, <laughs> everyone knows what i said i could it's just so good it's one of the internal memes of the well at least the dark angels communities i'm in you just say you say hexa and then add whatever whatever amalgamation of vowels and consonants you please and everyone it just nods and they know exactly what you mean uh but essentially every wing every all, all of the wings of, of that uh, internal dark infrastructure get one, and some of them are really good, and some of them are quite quite not good. Uh, for example, the fire wing, the fire wing one, just as an example. So at the start of the game, these are essentially um, where the you know Raven Guard and Alpha Legion primogenitor. They're like these are the um, the insurgents, the the snipers, the saboteurs. That's that's that wing of the Dark Angels, because you know we're the we're the grandpappy of all the Space Marine styles of fighting. Uh, and that one, you pick three of your opponent's units. Has to be three of their best units. I can't remember the exact wording. And then if you kill them at the end of the game, you get some points. But if they're still alive at the end of the game, you lose a bunch of points, and they get points up to three points each. Um, for each one of them that is still alive so you have to i mean if you kill one of them you've gotten three points and they've got six points and you're like well this was bad this was a terrible choice i mean you kill none of them and these are three of your opponent's best units you kill none of them they take a primark you don't kill the primark and you're like well yikes three points and that primark probably killed a bunch of stuff so there's just some in there that are just like so all in it's not funny um i'm here for it still i plan to do most of these wings and i will meme out to my heart's content I like the sound of that. Uh, so again, you, I can't say enough good things about the game. Uh, I do enjoy playing it when I get the opportunity to, to do so. And, uh, you know, kind of, again, built my Marines with that that kind of older style armor. Mm-hmm. So I you get to use, the, you know, double duty about some of my 40K stuff. But at the same time, they're all, all the new stuff in plastic kits, you know, they just look awesome. And they're, the plastic kits, they've done really well with some of the adaptations from forge world materials um i've been pretty pleased with the plastic kits yeah you, you, i've already gushed about the um the the new mark six armor i think it's the it's the best mark they've done so far with the exception of the two-piece shoulder pad but i understand there wasn't much else they could have done with it um <laughs> but apart from that two-piece shoulder pad everything else is perfect i've got i've got uh, 20 of those done now and they have various different heads on them um none of them actually have the corvus heads because i actually cut all those off and use them on my 40k bikers so <laughs> they are they've gone the wayside but um they just look phenomenal i've got ultramarines heads on them i've got uh, all, all sorts of different ones a bunch of dark angel veteran ones and they just look fantastic all, all, all mushed together i'm really curious about what could stand up to horus isn't it 
Um, I think one of the retinue builds, some of the, because he's bulky, so, well, he's bulky four, so he counts as a, you know, only four models, and some of these layouts, uh, the Terminators, I, I think if caught by himself, I actually think that they could probably get to him. I mean, he's going to be tough. It's going to take maybe, I mean, a thousand points. Legitimately, I can see it taking two or three squads of full-up Terminators to take him on. I kind of wonder if his point limit or his point level is his own worst enemy because there are so few things going to be on the table like when you're taking Horus that you might not be able to keep pace with the flexibility of what your opponent is bringing. Right. But, you know, at the same time, he could quickly even up the score there by killing a couple of units by throwing Horus at him. Uh, but that's how that's the cat and mouse. That's that's part of forty or part of Warhammer. Of course, yeah, it's always going to be a big part of the game. Uh, you decide to spend six hundred points in Horus. Well, Horus can only kill one to two things a turn. You know, you, funnily enough, you know, five or six turn games sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and he's just not going to kill enough dudes to stop you winning. You know, at times. So I think it's fine. I think that'd fact, be a I fun race, though. Is just watch like basically <laughs> what wind Horus up, see how far he gets, let him go. Yeah, I love it. I think that's cool. I do not mind the hero hammer from time to time, and he's a true master of war. Uh, I, I want to commend us for, you know, uh, some things may have changed in the world of 40k recently. I don't know what they are. You probably heard about them on other shows, but in the middle of all that, all the hellacious, holistic changes to 40k, we've done a full episode of 30k. So <laughs> we do. Thumbs up. Need to thumbs talk about the, the missions at some point for no. 40,000. Stop it. I mean, <laughs> next week. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the you know changes in secondaries and uh, points and see what's you know gonna actually make it onto tables and stuff. Uh, there's uh, a place where people can it's, go. It's dude, it's buck wild. <laughs> it's, it's it's yeah. Uh, they can us. go. They can go someplace on Thursday. Maybe I was gonna say yeah, in a couple <laughs> weeks from now the uh, show called the Thursday Show. <laughs> you may be able to listen in on some chaps talking about 40k and trends within 40k. And have fun while we're doing it. But I'm, but I'm curious. I am curious. I genuinely do like to see what how players react to this kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know. If I, mean, I mean, I, I mean, you just have to go on social media to see how some people react to it. Oh no, I that <laughs> is expected. But the players out there actually participating, the ones yeah. who are going to the events, what are how are they choosing to react and adapt to that? Uh, and then how does it make it into the list? I mean, granted, you know, I I have ideas about what I'm going to take for for my list and. You know, uh, probably a lot more melt pistols. Yeah, that's probably what I'm having my list. <laughs> uh, yeah, but there's there's also the the idea of of the missions themselves, and then how to interact with them and score the actual points. I mean, cool having extra toys is one thing, but then how do you actually win games? I'm gonna do a hot take. I think that the free war gear is good, and I hope that every faction gets that in the new edition whenever it drops and i think it's good because i think it makes army list building a lot easier for new players that's a good call yeah what what if they started the edition the opposite way i started edition with no points on war gear and then what all the players take that's what they start adding points to (laughs) (laughs) 
let it all balance itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just pay attention and like, well, turns out plasma guns are the best because that's all anyone takes. Plasma guns get points, and then they see what's next. What's the next one? Uh, plasma guns still good enough to take, or are you moving on to the the goalposts have been moved? Is a ten point plasma gun is that putting it out of the realm of reasonability? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, look, who knows? I don't know what the process is. You know, <laughs> it just becomes right. a big social experiment at that time. Yeah. Yeah, they they just they just pay attention and they start to start making a documentary on games <laughs> called Games in a Game and they see how deep the rabbit hole goes. Oh man, if they released stats and stuff for that like they do for MetaWatch, all the nerds would be like, "Yes, uh, give me the numbers." We shall see. Well, look, that can be our show this week. You're right. We should not taint this you know, glorious horse heresy <laughs> where we actually talk about chaos uh, with the 40k mission talk. And that'll be next week, especially as we get close to the LBO. The LBO meta is going to look the very same. I don't think they're implementing uh, the changes. No, they're not. They're, so they're, they literally said, uh, not only are we not implementing the changes, we're rolling the, the date, uh, the, cu- the rules cut off to the 31st of December. So everyone still gets their supplements and their additional stuff. So I know there's a lot of guard players rejoicing um, because I don't think uh, no matter what happened, they weren't going to play with the new guard book. But the issue is the guard has got two or three, su- well, I think it's two supplements slapped on top of it. And if they removed that, they would literally just be playing with a five plus year old codex um, <laughs> versus everyone's shiny new craziness. And so they, they not only did they, say we're not playing the new stuff if they did the better thing if they're not going to play with the new stuff don't take away the old stuff you know um yeah and so i think they made the right call considering the way they went with it well y'all know i'm a proponent of like this let the rules free you know the new stuff people are going to want to play with the new stuff but there's there's a certain scale of this event there's also factoring in and this is like the end of the itc season and yeah there's there's a lot there's a lot pointing to well, one, and also, let me also go with the fact that the tournament organizers have the ultimate right to, to sue Chad, whatever they want, their risk, their effort, or whatever. Uh, well, 100% always support that. Uh, but there's, you know, then you got the whole thing about this is a lot of people's build up and expectations and the scale and the magnitude of the event, I think, mm. also points to maybe keeping things a little less volatile. So we'll, we'll see how it works out. Yeah. It's going to be very exciting into the season. Yeah, we'll get to see how it works out in person. Oh, dude, we're all, yeah, we're all going to be there. Come say good day. I expect Paul to be handing me an FTN shirt at some point. Um, <laughs> I'll probably I'll probably wear it on stream. Um, Val will come and try and tackle me and tear it off me, and we'll have a bit of a scuff. I'll win, so it'll be fine. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, seriously, thanks uh, for listening, everybody. Don't forget to leave those five star reviews, like, share, subscribe. It means a whole lot. Helps the channel. Helps us. Makes us feel good. Uh, We'll see y'all next week. See ya. Bye, everybody. Our craft worlds are sentient beings. These hosts are not. Better luck next time, monkeys!